Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Lord, that there's a wellspring of life that's flowing out through us, Lord, to this nation, Father God, to, the, to our city, to our families that connect. Father, we pray, Father God, that we would be, continue to be the source of your goodness and that we would be the source of, of everything that repre- is represented in, uh, in the kingdom of heaven would become a reality through us and in us and in this place, Lord, that when people walk in this place, they could not remain the same, but that they would be transformed by your presence, by your spirit, by the word of God, and by the fellowship and communion that we keep in this place, Lord. We give you thanks, Lord, that you have uh, separated us unto you, and we pray, Father God, that that separation that you have brought in our life, Lord, we can proclaim it to the world, Father God, for one day, uh, judgment is coming upon the world, Father God, and many people don't even know that that is a reality. And Father, it has to be a reality among us Christians first so that we can also proclaim uh, the, the severity and the seriousness of our God. Prosper your word in the hearts of your people, Lord, and make it a reality as it is sown as a seed planted in each heart, Lord, that would bring forth fruits and a harvest that would glorify your name. Lord, we pray that this day we would be established in, in what you want us to hear and know and to move quickly. We pray this in the name of Jesus and the people of God say amen. amen. You know something, that there's a word in the Christian lingo that Christians don't like and the world doesn't like. And we're not familiar with and we want to keep it a little bit outside of our existence and it's called judgment. We haven't heard this for a long time. The word judgment brings goosebumps on my body as I know that something is about to take place. And when that something is something God is going to do, it's even more intense. We, the people of God, must understand that judgment is a part of God's reality. And while in modern times people push it away and push it under and and stick it in a comfortable place far from any reality. And this is what we've been seeing in these last days. As I look around the earth and I see the things that are taking place upon the earth with earthquakes, with floods, tsunamis, when I see the wars that are taking place, I see that there's judgment taking place in a lot of realms and areas. And we might call it like they do on the news, Mother Nature is up to her whatever. But it's not Mother Nature, it's Father God. And Father God in various zones and various seasons has been known to draw some lines that are fearful and they make man quake. And most of all people upon the earth that have to know the nature of God is us, His people. Uh, You know something? When judgment is, is far gone and pushed away and there's no results for our actions, we begin to act like there's never going to be judgment. We act like that's not part of reality until we are hit with this horrible thing. Uh, The Bible calls it the strange work of God. It's it's very unusual um, that that God would be inclined to bring judgment, uh, you know, and in such catastrophic means upon the earth. And we should well know how God moves in this regard. I want to share a, a portion of scripture in the book of Daniel. 
If we go there very quickly, chapter 7, verse 9, um, this, is, this is the foundation of what we're going to start. You cannot have God without having a God of judgment. You can't have God without having a God who draws the line often and, and, and particular and intangible means. And I quake when I see a person who doesn't fear God, who doesn't believe in God, who thinks he could do whatever he wants and nothing's going to happen. And here is a, an episode that brings into, <clears throat> excuse me, brings into focus uh, an aspect of God that we can't put away and ignore. And it says like this, I watched till thrones were put up in their place. You know, when, when, some, when there's going to be a tribunal and a judge is going to come and sit down, it's a fearful thing. And as, as a lawyer, when I would walk into the courts and I was going to go represent a client and there was a case and I was going to sit there, something was going to happen. And we were hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. We're trying at all grounds to try and, and, and not fall on the wrong side of the scales of justice and judgment. He says, as they were being put these thrones together, the Ancient of Days was seated. And his garments were white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. And his throne was a fiery flame, and its wheels a burning fire. Um, I want to tell you that they say that the wheels of justice turn slowly. But do not be deceived. They turn. The wheels of justice are slow. And you say, a lot of people say, I've been doing this for a long time and nothing's happened. Brother, I quake in the indifference of men who do not understand judgment. We should all be severely concerned and seriously concerned with how God draws that line. Verse 10 continues on to say, A fiery stream issued and came forth from uh, before him. A thousands and thousands ministered to him. We're talking about angels. The angels are all in this episode because they're the ones that deliver the, the cup of the wrath of God. He's the one that says, go and, and make sure that this is what takes place. They, they go and deliver not only the judgment of God, but the proclamation telling you, hey, buddy, psst, wake up, wake up. And get out of this area because the consequences of God's wrath are coming. Thousands of thousands ministered. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Not only the ones that were going out to deliver the consequences of the judgments of God, but there were some that were standing there to watch to see what would happen. The court was seated and the books were opened. Verse 11. And it says, and I watched them because of the sound of a horn that was blowing, a loud horn, which the horn was speaking. And I watched till first the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flames. Verse 12, as for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, their authority. Yet their lives were proclaimed, prolonged for a season and a time. And then verse um, 
13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Verse 14, he says, then to him was given dominion. He's given the full reign of deciding things. And glory and the kingdom that all peoples, tell your neighbor, that includes you, buddy, and nations and languages should serve him. His power, dominion, is everlasting. Dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the kingdom which shall not be destroyed. Now this sets the the scene of reality while many want to push this away and say, no, see, my court is a different court. It's the court of popular opinion. And I sit as judge and I do what I want. And, And how many know somebody like that? How many know about people that, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And guess what? That's the only, the, the only people that think like that are the ungodly. The ungodly think God is not going to do what God said he's going to do. Why? They're unfamiliar with God. They don't know how God works. And God wants his people, and you say, I'm his people. I'm, I'm part of the people of God. I want to know this thing. I want to know what what the Bible talks about judgment. We're not pointing fingers this morning. We're just saying there is a God and he's the judge of all men. And no one is outside of that reality. It says like this in the the scriptures, we read an onslaught of judgments. Do you remember the first judgment upon the earth that was huge and everybody remembers it? The flood? When he destroys all people, have you heard a friend tell you, and God is going to destroy everyone? Hey, buddy, he already did. There was only one family, Noah and his wife and his three boys and their three wives, and everybody else died. That's reality. For years, people have tried to find the ark. They found it. It's right where the Bible says it is, between Turkey on Mount Ararat, up in the mountains where it was parked. There's evidence of that. And so we have to understand that not only the flood came, but see, we think that God is unrighteous. We think, God, why did you destroy everybody? And if God is a God like that, then I don't want to go to heaven. Have you heard that also? Let's go real quickly where you you can see how God pre-planned this. In Genesis 6, verse 12, the judgment will come to stop man from doing what God does not want. Judgment comes when man far exceeds the limits and boundaries of God. And there in Genesis chapter 6 verse 12, it said, God looked upon the world and saw how degenerate, we're reading Genesis 6 verse 12, how far gone and debased and vicious all of humanity had come and corrupted their way of life upon the earth. And they lost their true direction. God saw, whenever you see the judgment of God is because man has departed from God's railroad. I thank God for judgment. How many say amen? amen? Why? Because it fixes our course. It's only when God judges us that we find out we're walking wrong. It was there with the angel and the sword. When Balaam was riding his donkey and judgment was about to fall that the donkey stopped. And Balaam began to kick and beat him. He says, go on. He says, hey, stupid. Don't you see there's an angel and a sword? And he's going to rip your head off. 
The donkey was speaking and was a little bit brighter than Balaam. But we need to stop at the fear of God's judgment. And here it says that, that God was looking upon the earth and indeed all men were corrupt. All their ways of the flesh had gone the wrong way upon the earth. Verse 13, And God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of all flesh before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them upon the earth. A lot of people say, well, why is Cuba all messed up? And why is it under the judgment of a communistic regime? I want to remind you that before Fidel Castro came, every Cuban walking his own way, doing his own thing, corrupting the island with all lost depravity, all lost sexual lewdness, and God brings a judgment of an iron yoke upon those people. What for? To stop them from their own destruction where there's chaos, where there's no order. In fact, the word judgment means putting back in order. When God touches your life with something that you don't expect, it's God bringing you back to his order of joy and peace and not chaos and anarchy. I've seen this happen in the lives of endless of thousands of people. Ah, I can do whatever I want, however I want. And, I, and guess what? The judgments of God begin to fall upon them to order their steps, to fix their thinking. I was reminded this week as I was talking to a man, and he says, it was our brother Ricardo, he says, don't play with God. Don't play with God because God will begin to pound you fearlessly and he will begin to pound you ruthlessly until you give in you do not want to stand against the judgments of God upon your life and here he sent the great flood that we know about when he says I will put an end to this whole matter and I want to tell you that far far before it wasn't just all of a sudden God sent judgment no 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 no. the bible says in the book of jude in the new testament verses 14 and 15 that before noah there was a man that that walked called enoch it was of these people moreover that enoch in the seventh generation from adam adam seven generations then comes noah enoch is a man who lived in the bible and he told the people stop God is not going to like this. You guys have gone out of control. It wasn't that God struck the earth with a flood all of a sudden. It said that Enoch had prophesied. And he said, Behold, the Lord is coming with myriads of 10,000 of his servants. The book of Jude, verse 14. Enoch proclaimed that God would come. In verse 15, he says, To execute judgment. Are we having help back there on this Bible thing? There it is. Verse 14 and 15. You put Judges. It's the book of Jude. J-U-D. There you go. To execute judgment on all. To convict all who are ungodly. Among them all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in ungodly ways of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Way before Noah's flood came, Enoch was telling people, run! run, get out of that situation, fix your life with God and he'll have mercy upon you. It says in the Bible 
that God had actually given his people seven days before the flood even came. If God were to give you a, a pronouncement of coming judgment today, would you stop the direction you're going within seven days? A lot of us would say, Lord, if you would have told me, I would have turned. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 10. Genesis 7, verse 10. And after the seven days, the flood waters came upon the earth. No, we're reading verse 4 first. Genesis 7, 4. For in seven days, I will cause it to rain upon the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain upon the earth. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things I have made. Seven days. Seven days. Get in the ark. Seven days. Repent. Seven days. Stop. In verse 10, it says, after the seventh day, the flood waters came upon the earth. Verse 11, it says that in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken open and the windows of heaven were opened. God began to open the fountains of the judgment that would destroy all men who did not repent. This is a, a scary thing with regards to the way God thinks. In Genesis 6.3 it says if you're going to know God, you will know that his spirit will not condemn forever with man. Let's read that very quickly. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive. You know that word strive is, is come on, man. I want you on this side of the blessing. I, I want to pull you over to what I have for you, which is good. You don't have to have the consequences of rebellion and disobedience. But my spirit shall not strive with man forever. For indeed he is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 uh, years. Isn't it tremendous that God wants you to know that you're not pleasing Him and He wants you to turn? A lot of people say, God, why didn't you tell me I would have turned? God is faithful to always. Say, tell your neighbor, He'll always tell you. He'll always tell you more than once. He'll always tell you to turn from the direction in which you're going. And He's faithful in that regard. And you know who will be faithful? Those that will listen to when God speaks. And God is so awesome because as we see throughout lifetime that the Noah, Noah's ark and the flood was the judgment of one generation. The tower of Babel was the judgment of the next. Recorah's rebellion, the, the judgment of another. Pharaoh's judgment. You say, why does God do this? Why does he judge nations? Why does he judge people? Because this is God reminding everybody who is above all things. He says, so they might know my power. Look what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 21. There was a man named Herod. He thought he was God. Judgment will come to all those who think they are God. And it says, so on a set day, Herod came out dressed in royal apparel. I'm the king of the hill. I'm the one that's calling the shots. When you're walking in that manner, trust me, the hand of the Lord will smack you out of that stupidity. The hand of God will remind you who is God in life and in existence. He was arrayed on that day in royal apparel and he sat on his throne. And they gave him an oration to them. And the people kept on shouting, look, he's living life like he's God. Look, he's doing his own thing. Look, he's like God himself. 
the voice of God and not of man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord, we talked about the angels delivering and dispensing the judgment of God. The angel of the Lord struck him and say it with me because he did not give glory to God. Judgment will come for those who do not walk like God wanted them to walk. And the worms were uh, eating him alive there as the angel struck him. And in the presence of everyone, and I want to tell you something. Everyone will see the judgment of God upon your life. And it will be a witness to the reality of God. It will be a witness to that God doesn't play games. It's a fearful thing to live in the sight of a living God. If he was a puppet, if he was one of those little things you could set up on the shelf or bring down or throw away and nothing happens, there's no problem. Our God is a living God. He's not going to stand by. And it says that in the book of Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, two members of the primitive church, came into church to play games. Immediately they dropped dead. They were lying to the Holy Spirit. The judgment of God came. In verse 11 it says why judgment comes. So that the fear of God would come back into his people. So great fear came to all the church and upon all those who heard these things. If you hear about a car uh, trampling somebody who crosses the intersection, you will come afterwards and look both ways. You're not going to walk in the same foolish manner as those that just got plummeted by a big truck. Judgment comes to keep us and keep us fearful and respectful of the things of God. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, All these things happen to serve an example to us. They were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. I, I, listen to me. Um, what inspires me in sharing this message is that I'm seeing judgment of God fall all over the place upon the earth. We as the people of God have to understand, Woo! thank you very much, but I'm not walking in that manner. I want to stay within the protection and the, the shelter of the Lord. I don't want to experience. If there is a modern ark, I want to be in it. How many say amen? If there's somewhere where God wants his people to be, that's where I want to be. I believe the modern ark is the church of Jesus Christ. As I was talking to Pastor Omar, he's a patrol officer here in Miami. He says, Pastor, you don't know what's taking place outside of the church. You don't know the devastation and the judgments befalling the families of Dade County because they're outside of Christ. They are suffering great devastation and loss. They are, they are receiving plagues and curses upon their lives. And we don't want any of these things. But again, if we're going to be the people of God, how many are people of God this morning? Raise your hand. It says, I belong to God. Then, then you and I must know that God is severe, He's serious, and He judges. It comes to a point in time where God comes and shows up on the scene. It doesn't matter who's acting, however they want to act. God is going to establish sovereign rule over that person. And the people in the Old Testament knew this in Ecclesiastes 12, 14. Where, where they wrote these words, and I want you to write them here in your Bible this morning. Write these words in your Bible. Know them and memorize them. God will bring every work into judgment. There's not one thing that God's going to let go free. There's not one thing that God's going to say, oops, I didn't see you. You disobeyed your parents. You're fine. You, you had sex out of marriage. You're fine. No, my friend. 
The Bible says God, say with me, it's not the devil, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret, every secret, yes, my friend, every secret thing, whether it's good or bad, because there's some things that we do that nobody sees, and God says, I'm going to, like he did with Tony, and nobody saw what Tony was doing for the Lord, but God judged it, and he says, I'm going to put him number one restaurant in Dade County. Number one, above Rusty Pelican, above all those other restaurants that you and I know. This is a, a very sophisticated magazine. He says, but I'm seeing what he's done in secret. I see what this family wants to honor me. I'm going to judge this matter. I'm going to bring them in prominence. It's secret. Nobody knows what they've done, but I'm going to bring them to, because a lot of times we think that judgment is only for destruction and for bad. No, judgment is for good. There's times where God will see what you do in private. He will reward you in public. He will bring a judgment, a decision, and proclaim it to the world. If you're going to be a man or a woman of God, if you're going to walk as the family of God, you will know God will not leave anything uncovered. God will bring every work into judgment. I, I, I long to remind you today that even thoughts, you say, oh, I didn't say nothing. No, but you thought it. That's sufficient to activate the, the, the act of God's hand on your life. Be careful what you think. Make sure your thoughts are under the blood of Jesus. Repent for thoughts that are ungodly. Because soon you'll see the evidence of God saying, I weighed your heart. I saw your attitude. And you didn't do nothing. You didn't say nothing. But I, I judged your intentions, the weight of your words, the weight of your thoughts, the weight of your feelings, your disposition. I judged that. That was sufficient for me to understand your disposition. And God will bring everything into judgment. In Jeremiah 25, 29, it reminds us, For behold, I am beginning to work evil in the city. And a city... Should it be an evil city? He says, no, my city. I will bring calamity on the city that has my name. A lot of people sit in church and say, I went to church on Sunday. Nothing's going to happen to me. No, my friend, God judges his people first. Say, I'm to be judged first. Judgment will begin in the house of God. He has to faithfully judge us if he's going to judge the world. A lot of people think he's not going to judge me because I go to church. He says, no, I will bring this evil work, evil in the city called by my name, and it, you shall not go unpunished. Shall you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished, for I am calling for a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth. God's going to bring that delineation, that mark that he is God. He's going to come and, and slice the pie. He's coming and determined what he's going to do. And you say, why will God do that? Why did God do that? It says why in Romans 9, 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I've raised you up for this very purpose, to display my power. The judgment of God comes and shows that God is God and no one other. And no other one. God is God and no other one. And it happens continually in families. I want to display my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. We're reading Romans 9, 17. So that my name will be declared in all the earth. You know how people understood the God of Israel? They heard of what he did to Pharaoh in Egypt. And then when Israel was coming by, they're like, let's not touch these people. They have a powerful God. Didn't you see what he did? 
He destroyed Egypt with ten plagues all of a sudden. It says like this in Exodus 9.14. For this time I will send all my plague upon your heart and upon your servants and your people. Is God an angry God? No. He will send plagues upon everything which you intend and purpose to do that all of you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. The purpose of judgment is to establish the reality of God in every place. God intends to let himself be known to your families. You cannot play with God. In Romans 9, 28 says, For the Lord will carry out his judgment on the earth with speedy finality. A lot of times we think we're getting away with it. We're getting away with it. Nothing's going to happen. We're getting away with it. We're getting away with it. And all of a sudden comes all the full blunt of reality upon our lives. And so we need to seek the mercy of God. We need to tell him, God, you know something? I want to make sure I fall on the blessed side of your judgment, whatever that may be. If you're rising up in your heart and you're saying, oh, God got me, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're thinking that way because you're going to be moved by the Spirit and by conviction to start traveling closer to the mercies and goodness of the Lord. If you defy God after today's preaching, I have nothing but pity for you and the consequences of what will come upon your life. In Revelations 14, 6, another verse that tells us that we're to understand the judgment of God. I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven and having an everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell upon the earth. Listen to me. To every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Everyone is included in this mix. No one is above board. Verse 7. Saying with a loud voice. This is, this is how we're to be free from judgment. Fear God. Give Him glory. Because if not, the hour of judgment has come. Worship Him who made heaven and earth. So it's this scenario of fearing God, giving Him glory, and worshiping Him that delivers us from that judgment. He says, get in line. Align yourself. Order yourself so that the judgment of God that comes will not affect you. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes these words. He says, Beloved, I'm writing to you the second letter, and I want to stir up your heart in way of reminder. Peter is writing to the church, and he says, I want to waken your heart in this area. I don't want you to fall asleep in this understanding. Verse 2 that you could recall how in previous, previous lifetimes, 2 Peter 3, 2, that you should recall the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord through His apostles, His messengers. I want you to be mindful of those men who spoke in times past. Verse 4, no, verse 3, to begin with you must know this, that mockers will come in the last days and they will walk after their own fleshly desire. Last night I, I, was, I was horrified seeing the White House Correspondents' Dinner when Barack Obama, the President Commander-in-Chief of this country, stands up above all the press. There's 3,000 members of the press and the media and they start cracking jokes and making fun of the government, of the land, of its people. 
They start mocking the ways that we conduct business upon the United States. And I said, Lord, with this type of mockery, your hand is coming soon to this nation. With this time of laughter and people taking things so lightly, where now the commander-in-chief is, is making fun of people and making fun of himself and making fun of his office. He says, who's going to be in charge in the United States? All the candidates for 2012 are a bunch of clowns. They're jokes. They're not serious with governing the affairs of the United States. When I see us going away from the direction of God, you know what I see? I see that soon God's hand will be in the pot. I see soon that God's hand will be in this, in this uh, country putting things in order when the leadership is out of order. It says to begin with, you must know this. There's going to be mockers. They will come in the last days and they will walk after their own desires and they will be questioning, verse 4, where is the promise of God? Hey, for a long time they've been saying God is a God who judges. All things continue the same. Nothing is different as from the beginning of creation. They're making fun of God. They're saying God's not going to show up. Verse 4. No, verse 5. They willfully forget that the heavens existed long ago by the word of God. And the earth was formed out of water by means of water. In verse 6 through which the world that existed was deluged with water, a flood, and perished. They forget that God had already destroyed the earth once. They're making fun of God's judgment. They says, I can do whatever I want, nothing's going to happen. They forget that God is a severe God. And it says in verse 6, through which the world that then existed was flooded and perished. Verse 7, but by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. Nevertheless, verse 8, do not let this one fact escape you. That with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years one day. Verse 9, the Lord does not delay and is not tardy about his promises according to how some people think that he's being slow. But he's a patient God towards every person because he does not want anyone to perish, but that all should turn from the direction they're going. God will send you a ton of messages saying, hey, you're walking the wrong way. You're doing the wrong thing. You know what we become accustomed to is that we can do whatever we want. Hey, you're walking the wrong way. Nothing's going to happen. Walking the wrong way. Nothing's going to happen. You become accustomed to nothing's going to happen. You become accustomed to that God's not going to do nothing. In fact, you say God is on your side. You start saying God is with me. He's going to help me. Um, continue doing what I do. In Isaiah 47, verse 10, he tells the wicked, you have trusted in your own wickedness. You have said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. You said in your heart and mind, I am, and there's no one besides me. Nothing's going to happen. Years ago, I was sitting on this same pulpit, and I was warning that sometimes your sin will find you out. Sometimes the sin will catch up to you, and you'll have the consequences of your sin. And then you're going to freak out and say, I should have turned. I should have listened to God. That voice of the Spirit in me, I should have listened to it. I should have not pretended it wasn't talking to me. Who are you talking to me? No, that must be my neighbor. No, listen to me. Listen to that voice because it's telling you to turn from what you're, the direction you're headed. This man sat here and he, learned, he heard this whole preaching. And on the next day, he walked back into Home Depot and he went to steal like he had been stealing for three or four months. And they arrested him. 
the judgment of God came. And everything he had done in secret was exposed. And he nearly lost his medical career. But he sat here through a whole sermon of God telling him, run! He didn't run. He didn't run. He didn't turn. He thought that the next day would be the same. I'm telling you, it's not. I'm telling you, I'm severely concerned as God allows these things to take place. It says in the Psalm, uh, Psalm 10, verse 11, In his heart, the wicked thinks God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see what I'm doing. I could disobey. I could lie. I could cheat. I could steal. Nothing's going to happen. You crazy? Are you crazy? You're going to find out you're crazy soon enough. When God allows your wickedness to catch you up, it doesn't matter what your rebellion is. In Psalm 94, verse 7, it says, Yet they say, The Lord does not see me, neither does God of Jacob notice. Look, I'm doing all these things, and, and nothing seems to be happening. My friend, you don't want to taste the wickedness of the judgment of God upon your life. God's faithfulness is that you would be sitting here this morning. You would have received this message through some method some media allowed. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4, we see that if God does not allow judgment to come into your life, you continue worse and worse. Tell your neighbor, worse and worse. You're going to get in a worse state, in a worse condition. And he says like this, Alas, a sinful nation, a people filled with iniquity, doing whatever they want, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs away, backward. Running from God, verse 5. Why should you be stricken again? How many have received judgment? I have. How many have received judgment? The consequences of doing something wrong is coming upon your life and you're like, oh, man. He says, why do we have to go through that again? Why do you want to receive a severe blow again? Why should you be stricken? You will revolt more and more. God says, I got to spank you, buddy. I got to come after you. If not, you continue to do worse and worse. I would tell my clients that their parents would bring them in. Armed robbery. Okay, the, the client is sitting in front of me. And the mom says, I don't want him to get in trouble. I don't want him to get in trouble. I say, lady, let him get in trouble. Because if you don't get in trouble, you keep on doing it worse. The next one will be armed robbery or, or murder. Let's not get away with what we're doing wrong. Why? We will continue to do it worse. He says the whole head is sick. And the heart is faint. You have no conscience. You don't have the will in your heart to turn from where you're going. These are all things that, that are cultivating the judgment of God. There is no soundness in the wounds. Verse 6. From the sole of your foot, from where you start to where you end, your head, there is no soundness in it. But wounds, bruises, rotting sores. They have not been closed up or bound, or medicine has not come in. This is why God comes. It's almost like, a, 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 it's like a gangrene. It starts eating away at who you are in your life and your relationships. If God does not amputate the arm, the whole body will die. You have to want and desire. Say, God, you have mercy on me. Let me turn. And if I can't turn and if I'm stuck, get me out of stuck. Get me out of stuck. I'd rather lose my eye than my whole body. I'd rather lose my hand than, than lose my whole self in this world. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, it says, It is time for judgment to have come, and it must begin with the household of God. 1 Peter 4, 17. Judgment has come, and it must begin here at the house of God. And if the judgment begins with us, 
God is making us an example. What terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? What a horrible judgment. Would you rather receive judgment on this side of eternity so you could be saved for all of eternity? Yes. Would you rather suffer this side of eternity than to find yourself in the presence of God and saying, you guess what? You're out of gas forever. I used to be a loss prevention officer there at Dayland Mall, and people had no problems stealing. Kept on stealing, kept on stealing. When they got caught, they would say what? Please let me go. It'll be the last time. How many think it would be the last time? Won't be the last time. A survey just came out last week. It says that 50% of the people who have lung cancer and go for treatment, chemotherapy, radiation for lung cancer, 50% of them within one year of their lung cancer operation will go back to smoking. Are we hard-headed? Say, yeah. We're slow? Yeah, we're slow. We dumb? Some of us. Let's ask God to have mercy on us. Let's ask God to deliver us from the consequences, not of an angry God who's saying, I'm going to dispose of you because you're a nut. No, his judgment comes for your healing. His consequences come. The majority of the consequences of AIDS that have come upon the homosexual community has allowed them to repent on their deathbed from the wickedness they have done. You see it. Well, why did God send AIDS? Because if not, they would be lost. If not, they would be a criminal act. Going to jail is if not, they would be lost. They had no conscience, no heart to repent, to turn. God had to intervene. It's a fearful thing to be in the hands of God. In Ezekiel chapter 9, there was a judgment coming on Jerusalem. And the Lord said, go through the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, my people, and mark on the foreheads of those who sigh and groan over the abominations committed in this place. When God sees that you have a heavy heart, that you're doing wrong but you don't like to, that you're doing wrong but you feel bad, God will reach you with his mercy. But there are some people who won't have that sigh. Some people will hear this message and say, there he goes again, trying to scare us. I'm not trying to scare you, my friend. I'm trying to teach you the basic premises of the Christian faith. In Hebrews 6, verse 2, it says that we might learn about the elementary teachings of Christ, which concern judgment. This is not deep theology. This is what you learn in first grade. If you do well, it will go well with you. If you do wrong, the judgment of God and the sword will come after your life. God's not playing games. He says, go into the city and put a mark on the foreheads, Ezekiel 9.4. On all those who groan and are, are, are sighing for the abominations that are committed. Verse 5. And to the others, he said in my hearing, follow through the city and smite them. Let not your eyes spare, neither have pity. This is God speaking. Go through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare. Don't feel sorry for anyone doing wrong. Verse 6. Slay. That means destroy the old, elderly, the young men, the maidens, and the little children, and the women. Do not come near those who have a mark on their, on their forehead. And begin in my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. They went straight to the house of God. And anyone who was not repented and falling before God, pleading for mercy and grace, judgment was executed upon them. And this is all happening here on earth. But the Bible says that the final judgment taking place in Revelations 22. Revelations 22 verse 18. I'm sorry. Revelations 20 verse 12. I saw... The dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open and another book was open, 
which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written according to the works. And whoever was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Come, let us return to the Lord. Even though the Lord deals with us and tears at us and is holding us accountable, He wants to have mercy upon us. That's the heart of God. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Come, this day, since we know these things, let's not learn them because of judgment. Let's learn them because of mercy. The Lord has not consumed us because of His mercies. It says, Come and let us return to the Lord. For He has torn us and He will heal us. He has stricken us, but He desires to bind us. Could you stand with me this morning? Can you say, Lord, thank you for this message? Thank you for reminding me that you're not playing games and I've got to get back where I need to get back to. I need to put things in my life back into order. I need your kingdom to come and your will to be done. I don't want to be worthy of the consequences of my rebellion. Even in 1 Corinthians 11, the Bible says when we come together to share in the Lord's Supper. And Wednesday, we will share in the Lord's Supper in this place. We will break the bread and, and drink of the cup. It's a, it's a great reminder of what God has done for us. He's healed our walk with God and our walk with one another. And Wednesday night, we'll be breaking the bed. And it says, if you partake of the table of the Lord in an unworthy manner, you are eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. These matters are holy matters. These matters should be taken seriously. Our devotion to God, our communion with God is a serious matter with devastating consequences that fall upon our children many times. Our children are suffering the consequences of our own rebellion, our own disobedience. We're passing down the judgment of God because of our indifference. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And just by way of reminder, this is not something that needs to scare anyone but it's healthy to restore the fear of God in your life not a fear that causes you to quake a fear that causes you to revere and respect God respect your parents so that all will go well with you so you live a long life upon the earth somebody said to me I hadn't been with my with my boyfriend for many months for years I haven't been with him and on one day, why would God judge me for one day I was with him? Why would, I, why would God judge me for that one day? I had lived years without being with him, and all of a sudden that one day I messed up, and that's the day that the consequences visited me. I hope you're a healthy Christian. Tell you what, I thank God for the for increased measure of respect and reverence. Because, you know something, familiarity breeds contempt. Oh, I've been married to this husband for 30 years. I could treat him like crap. The judgment's coming. Oh, she's just my wife. She's an idiot. Judgment is coming. You don't want God to spank you and put you in a wheelchair and have your wife pull you around. Fear the Lord. Fear God. Don't let it be that one night that you say, I'm just going to disobey my parents that one time. I'm going to cheat that one time. Don't let judgment come into your life. It's a sword. As we end this service, our, the, our heart's attitude is to, to say, Lord, renew your mercy towards us and give us another opportunity to straighten our paths. Father, we ask that your mercy and your grace would accompany us 
Father, because if it wasn't for your grace and for your help, we could not even take another breath, Lord. We could not take another step in this spiritual life you're calling us to, Lord. Father, the, the angels that bring your judgment, the ministers that defend your honor and your name, they come, Father God, in a moment. We don't even have another opportunity, Lord, and it's, then it's too late. And today you renew our understanding of what judgment is and how you bestow it upon us, Lord. Allow us to be a fearful people honoring you always. Allow your spirit to infuse the, like it says, the Holy Spirit you have sent will convict us of judgment and of death. Will convict us of those things that concern you. And I pronounce blessing upon each family here, Lord. I pronounce blessing upon each person here, Lord. That we would all be like Noah, Lord, kept in the ark of the coming judgment, Father God. We pray that we might escape these things that are going to befall other people. Heal our economy, our businesses. Let it be like Jacob. Let them multiply and increase, Lord. As we honor you, you prosper the works of our hands. You keep our health in good health, Lord. You deliver us from fear, O oh God. You deliver us from the angel of death, Lord. You deliver us from the, the one who comes to destroy the destroyer keep us under the realm of the blood of Jesus all judgment fell upon Christ that we might be free of judgment oh God he paid the price of our rebellion he paid the price of our disobedience Lord allow us now to walk in righteousness in goodness father God allow us now to inherit truth and honor in all things we repent oh God and ask you for forgiveness Lord of secret sin, of meditated heart sin, rebellion, defiance, O oh God. Bring us back to order, Lord, in mercy and in grace. This we pray in the name of Jesus and the people of God say, Amen.